Hey guys, welcome back to Beer Buddies. This is sort of a, an impromptu podcast. And Jordan does all the intros now, so... Uh, it's true. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Chris and I are drinking beer tonight like we normally do. It's about once oh. a week. Normally it's Sundays. Today is Saturday because Jordan's going out of town on Sunday. So we decided to reconvene on Saturday this week. Mm-hmm. It's actually picnic day at Davis. You see um, Davis. <laughs> you see so we... Uh, We've been drinking through some beer, mostly dark beer. We have another dark beer on the uh, on the agenda, um, yep. but so far you're catching us in the middle of the agenda because it's. Uh, oh boy, sorry about that. By because the way. <laughs> we, um, in the midst of our beer drinking extravaganza, realized we had a really really cool topic to sort of talk about. And it's, it's, again, on aging. I know we already did an episode on Goose Island and the effects of aging, but I think... Uh, that was that was a very specific example. Sure. I think that we can we can talk a little bit more generally as far as, like, most dark beers in this example tonight, right? Right. So today we started with a, a Claim Steak Hazy Double IPA. Which called, wasn't aged, by the way. Uh, Immortal American. Uh, with Ariana Simcoe Mosaic hops, which we found to be relatively mediocre considering mm-hmm. what they normally put out. A little sad about Claim Steak. Claim Steak's usually pretty baller. And then we uh, went through. We went to a chocolate flipping good from New Glory. That was aged to what? At least six months. No, two or three. Two or three? Really? I picked it up at one of those. Well, maybe six months total mm. in my fridge, about two or three, because that's okay. when I bought it. Okay. Um, but they haven't made it since last fall, I believe. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. And then we went to the Partlo, which is a pastry stout from Claim Steak, which has been sitting in my fridge for a couple months as well. And then we went to Half Baked. Mm-hmm. So some background Oops. on Half Baked. It was a beer that came out just before Beer Week a year ago or just about a year ago. Yeah. Um, and that was when we first got into bottle aging or can aging a beer. And I wrapped it in foil to keep all the light out and kept it at room temperature mm-hmm. for a year. And we cracked it open. And we we just cracked it open and poured it and drank it. And it's super mellow. It tastes like water. It almost tastes like Guinness, right? Like it tastes yeah. like – So it, when it was fresh, it had a lot of – it's a brownie stout. So it's a lot of chocolate, a lot of uh, thicker – it's a really heavy dark beer. It's a porter. Uh, it's a porter, really. So it's oh, it's a really heavy porter then. At ten and a half percent, it's half baked brownie porter, imperial robust porter brewed with toasted hemp seeds, cocoa powder, and lactose, and conditioned on cacao nibs and bourbon vanilla beans. So that's that's part where it gives it the really heavy flavor. It's it hits pretty hard. It's got a really good mouth feel. It's really full. The, it the, did a year ago at least. <laughs> yeah, tonight it's a little lacking on the fullness, but it's still – it's okay. It's good. I would still say it's better than most of the dark beers out there, but definitely the part of us getting on this topic was we'd rather have this fresh, aged six months, aged one year. So oh, hold on. Let us let's let me just throw this at you. Would you rather have this as it is, right? Any, any beer I ask you about, this as it is or 8-Ball Stout from Lost Coast? Oh, as this is right now, it might be a toss-up. But I remember us okay. trying this. Prior okay. To beer Would week. you rather have this as it is, or Obsidian Stout, fresh off the shelf right now? We go to Bethmo, we buy Obsidian Stout from Deschutes. Oh, if you would have said Black Butte Porter, I would have been on board. 
I think this beats Obsidian Stout a little bit because Obsidian oh, Stout's a little bit interesting. more. Interesting. So, so, so here's the thing. With, with this beer, I, that's why I thought it was a stout. The way they incorporated the hemp seeds and the, a couple of the ingredients, it's a little bit more bitter than most porters. And Obsidian Stout is a little bit more bitter than uh, – well, it's, it's your basically it's your, your run-of-the-mill stout, right? Mm-hmm. A little bit bitter. It's dark. This, though – is leaning more towards because it's a porter. It's leaning more towards Black Butte Porter, but I think Black Butte Porter is a little bit more drinkable than this beer currently. This one, the the brownie half baked age is a little bit more complex. It's kind of it gaps that that the bridges the gap between uh, Porter, you know, Black Butte Porter and Obsidian Stout. <laughs> if you were to say Obsidian Stout Nitro, mmm. So Ooh. in your in your mind right now. Okay, I'm not going to go into the nitro today. That's just going to muddy the water too much. Uh, no pun intended, I guess. Because this um, on nitro would be pretty fucking good. Brownie? A year old brownie on nitro? Yeah. <laughs> That'd be good. So in your mind right now, within those three beers, it goes to shoots Black Beat Porters at the top. Mm-hmm. Right behind it is this one. Is Right behind it. Or is it is it a conversation? So, so if you're talking about a scale of one to five, so Black Beat Porter is a number one. Obsidian Stout's number five. This is like a two point five. It's not right behind one it. One being the best. Well, well, number one position is Black Butte Porter. Oh. And the number five position is Obsidian Stout. This is like a two point okay. five. Okay. Can it's you do it like a normal person and do like on a scale of one to ten? Let's say Black Butte Porter's a ten for our listeners, just so we have our scale on ten. All right, seven, six, between it's, six and seven. Oh, okay, yeah. that it's, far behind. It's leaning a little bit more towards. So then, Black what's Obsidian Butte Stout? Obsidian Stout would be like a two. Yeah, it'd be down with, that's, uh, you think you about, think Black Butte Porter is that much better than Obsidian Stout? Well, on the bitterness side, uh, that's uh, what I'm talking about. Not the flavor. No, not, not they're both good. Okay, overall beer quality. Where does this sit? Just because this is more for Jordan than the listeners, just so I understand what the I, hell we're I'd, talking I'd put about. Them all, if you didn't tell me this was New Glory, that's the funny part. If you didn't tell me it was New Glory, if you told me it was a Deschutes beer, I would put it in the conversation with Obsidian Stout and Black Butte Porter. It would be some sort of relative of those okay. two beers. Where does this stack with Widowmaker, which is a mid Midwest stout? Oh, that's a black lager. Oh. Uh, yeah, that's why that one's interesting. This one is a little bit more complex, a little bit more flavor than black uh, lagers usually are. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, for sure. Cause... I would, but, but here's the catch. We paid I forget how much for for a pint of this eight nine bucks a pint for this one. Widowmaker at most places is two bucks a pint all day every we day. We didn't pay eight nine bucks for this. This was back when you could get a four pack. I think I paid twenty four for the four pack <laughs> back in the good old days when you could get a, a pint from New Glory for like five six bucks. Uh, no, I think this was six. I think I realistically think this was six dollars a can. So we had this conversation with the guy who works at New Glory. I don't know if you were there with me or not. We were talking about Mallow Blaster. Selling out, and then whatever came after Malablaster, what was that? They had Psychic Venom. Yeah, and they sold it, it for like eight or nine dollars a can, and they didn't sell out. That's that's a can is a sixteen ounce can. It's eight or nine bucks per pint. Malablaster is eight bucks a can though too, and it sold out. That was a little bit better. So but it was a Moxa collab, and Moxa gets a lo- gets away yeah. with a lot of that stuff. New Glory doesn't yet. Psychic Venom was a coffee stout, which a lot of people aren't on board with as much. That's more of a niche thing. So psychic guy, venom was good, but it, was it good also because, wasn't good worth eight dollars a can. I and I say that as someone who yeah. bought a four pack, <laughs> but that's, and that's aged one of them. That's why I talked to the guys in New Glory and said, "Well, the reason why you didn't sell them all is because it's eight dollars a pint. That's the markup if you go to a nice restaurant for beer, you know." Yeah. 
you're talking the, no Mollabas or Psychic Venom at a restaurant would be like twelve bucks. Yeah, but then at we, a restaurant. We talked about going. We went back for um, the weekend where they released the Infinite Void. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the regular, the fresh one. They had the eighteen of the regular and the eighteen of the vanilla bourbon barrel aged. Um, and they were selling those for I think the regular was like twelve bucks a pint of the. Um, no, it wasn't that expensive. The, it was like eight or nine bucks. The eighteen, the eighteen in a can was seventeen, and the vanilla was a little bit more than that. A can per pint. Yeah. Oh. That's why I can. I told you I can only afford four of them because it cost me an arm and a leg. They do. We're talking. We got a four pack at seventeen bucks a can. That's good beer. Oh, you're aging one of each, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh man. Or did you drink them? I might have drank them. <laughs> Which no, no, no. No, I totally no, get no, though. No, no, I, I, we bought a, you and I split a four pack. I had one of each, and I think I gave the other two to you, didn't I? Oh, no, we split them then. So you you drank 75% of a four-pack. Well, now I feel like an asshole. Because <laughs> <laughs> it sold out that day. I thought we had more. No, you're – well, uh, I, mean, I, I don't know. check my desk. Sure, yeah, that's I'll cool. check my – by um, the way, I keep my aged beers in my desk in my office, <laughs> which is where everyone should keep their aged beers, right? No, I have pallets on my, <laughs> my shelf in my closet. They're wrapped in foil, which keeps the light out, and yeah. – for the little that I read about aging a year ago, if you weren't, if you didn't have like a lot of people have things aged in like like a wine fridge where it's yeah. at room, it's temperature controlled at room temperature, mm-hmm. and I don't have that luxury, so I wrapped it in foil to keep the light out, which affect you know helps. Yeah, especially if it's bottled. That's and then I uh, yeah. and then I kept I kept the closet door closed at all times, mm-hmm. um, and. So it wasn't always temperature controlled, even though like over the summer I left my ceiling fan on. It usually was sitting at about no more than 75 degrees at any given time. But um, you know, it definitely as uh, it definitely could have affected the aging process over the year. You know, like here and there, as much as it might not seem that much, it really can affect the trajectory over the long term. If mm-hmm. here and there over 365 days can well, the temperature substantially has a lot deviate to do. from like, yeah, 100 percent. So that's all chemistry, man. Um, the way we aged this, which is a very blue collar rednecky way of doing it, um, American didn't turn out super <laughs> great. Um. It's also kind of cool to come full circle because when we did that that Goose Island podcast, not only was it a very specialized, specific topic, I think we'd both admit that like going into that podcast, neither one of us really knew what the hell we were talking about. I think we do a decent amount, enough to do. A not not about, about aging. It. What have we really aged? Not not that much. We hadn't really aged anything. You know what I mean? Like we knew a lot about beer yeah. and we knew about how to taste beer and to like. Distinguish the difference. I really think that that episode in particular, like, we really grew, like, within the context of that podcast. Like, on the air, I think we but really grew. That's the whole point was that podcast was to try those beers that we hadn't had aged like Sure, before. but tell me the another beer we it. had done that with. But that's my point. That's that's the whole point of that podcast sure. to experience so, it but together. I'm just saying – my whole point is that within the context of our palates, mm. as much as we – we started aging stuff a year ago, man, and we just opened the first can that I ever started aging, which was what inspired us to age the next beer that we're going to drink, which is mm. another New Glory beer, which was a beer that came out a couple weeks later during beer week. It's going to be not quite a year. It will be about 11, 11 and a half months mm. when we open this next one. Um, to where like we started aging stuff a year ago 
and we the, we cracked open our first beer that we chose to age six months ago when we cracked open a Plentiful Pastries, which we didn't record. Yeah. And then the only other beers that we've had that were aged that we have something to compare to was that second episode with Goose Island. But we didn't age those beers. Some of those, like the 2015, we didn't age for that long. It was aged somewhere else. We have no idea how it was aged. Yeah. That's, so this is the first beer that we bought brand new, full control aged, start to finish. Is that what you're saying? The rest of yes. the stuff that we have experience with was stuff that was out of our hands. Yes. That we can't validate. Right, and no. even this that we can validate, oh. we can't validate the full science experiment of like so, temperature and what it did to the beer. You and I have had a very bad experience with uh, things that have aged out of our control when I bought that six-pack of Monkey Knife Fight from <laughs> Yeah, so, so for you guys that don't know, Monkey Knife Fight is a very, very killer, awesome IPA. Or not, oh, it's a paleo. Paleo. My bad. I keep thinking, because that, that poster at freaking... Wherever we went, it looked like it said IPA, and it throws me off every time now. It's been so long. So Monkey Knife Fight Pale Ale was like the Sacramento's response to Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. You know, mm-hmm. it was it was trading blows. It was good. And then they went out of business. Rubicon went out of business. And, and those yeah, for our listeners, those recipes have recently or Rub- Monkey Knife Fight specifically is recently mm-hmm. picked up by Tower, right? Tower, formerly Sacktown Union. And it tastes as good as it ever did. It's good. It was good. Surprisingly, yeah. And, you know, I think that really speaks speaks to the brew quality of that beer. Yeah. When you haven't had it for a couple years, and you try so many other things that are so amazing, and then you come back to a beer. With a completely different palate that's been fully developed over two years. uh, Sure, or more developed. Yeah, I mean, fully developed kind of like... Makes me cringe because well, well, we're always developing. But I might have peaked, man. I'm old. <laughs> You're still young, Jordan. I'm, I'm old. I have gray hair. I might have peaked my palate. Um, That's what I'm saying. And uh, it was good to have it fresh. It's but... cool to have it fresh, and also cool to have a beer. We're like, no, like even a couple years later, because we had Monkey Knife Fight before. We were really into the brewery scene, and it stood out. It still stood out. Yes. Yeah. Uh, still dope. Um, but remember how excited I was to find that six-pack up in the hills. It was a year and a half, a year, year and a half after Rubicon shut down. Mm-hmm. We found a six-pack of Monkey Knife Fight at a gas station. Now tell the listeners, Chris, how good was it? Do you, do you remember what it tastes like? I didn't get to have any. Mm. Okay, so this is back. So Jordan and I have been doing an experiment with my dad, trying to get him into craft beers. Because he's like uh, old Be school. Careful. This is a podcast. That's fine. Well, they don't listen to it, but it's, it's old school. He's a macho dude. And he doesn't like the frou-frou stuff. He drinks Coors regular. Right? Coors regular, Guinness, Sam Adams, he, he, and anything well, that says lager on it, he's good to go. Or anything that's until, German. Until lately when Jordan and I have gotten him into craft beer. Now he goes and gets some stuff once Which in a while. Which he's absolutely in denial about. He denies it, but he's, he still likes it. So that, that's all. That's us. We're developing him. But... Um, I cracked open a, a bottle, it was a six pack of 12s, 12 ounce bottles, right, of Monkey Knife Fight. I got at the gas station. I cracked it open. It tasted like a blue moon. It was funky. It had obviously been stored in a hot place. Hoppy beers don't last, they don't save. The way stouts do. No, the, the way the hoppy super beers, watery stout or porter does. Yeah, exactly. If you get two months out of an IPA, that's a really rare occasion. Most IPAs are a month, month and a half, and then they're toast. And that's if they're – well, hold on. That's you if they're get, stored properly. You can get two to three months out of them if they're in the fridge, mm-hmm. depending on the beer. 
Whereas the, you found this dry storage, right? Or was it I found fridge? it in a fridge, but who knows if it was refrigerated for an entire year and a half? That's the question. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's what we're talking about with these with these beers that we've aged. Oh man! Especially the ones when we're talking about the the Goose Island ones that we bought off the shelf. Who knows how that person stored those beers? So stouts and porters and barrel aged beers are more robust and more tolerant to changes than IPAs are. Sure. Or, or pale ales, very 100%. hoppy beers. The hops don't like to hang in there as long. So, my dad loved it. I gave him the rest of the six-pack. That was great. Jordan and I did not... Did you, you didn't try it? I didn't try any. You tried one and told me not to. <laughs> yeah, it tasted like a blue moon. I'm like, this is wrong. This is not my I feel like bite. he told me it tasted like a really shitty lager. But not Budweiser. No, it was... Blue Moon, really? It tasted like a Belgian, dude. Like a Belgian, a Belgian wheat ale. Yeah. That's the really. Yeah. A, so monkey knife fight a year and a half later tastes like Blue Moon. You know, to some beer it. drinkers, that's pretty good. Like my dad, it was pretty good. He drank the other five. Yeah. <laughs> he thought it was great. Which it was not bad. It doesn't go bad. It's just the you don't, the flavor's gone. What you originally thought from monkey knife fight. Was not well, sure, because the hop the hop yeah. flavor isn't going to sustain itself for that long. No, Even if you properly stored that beer, it's, it's not going to sustain itself for that long. Yeah. We're talking a year and a half, you know? Like, really, to get the most out of that beer, you have a month, four to six weeks yeah. from the time it's stored on the shelf mm-hmm. to really get the most out of it. Now, that yeah. I'm not saying you can't drink it past that point, but... Even like four weeks, you know what I mean? Is you're not getting the same beer. You're getting you're getting a different beer yeah. that will still taste good, but it won't taste as good as the one you had when you yep. first bought it. Yep. Um. Which is sort of a divisive opinion. So, this half baked, this thing that kind of got me to turn the recorder on, tastes watered down because I think. So usually from what I've read, and that's like with like Reddit forums and beer forums and very limited information, who knows who actually knows what the hell they're talking about. This half-baked porter is at 10.5%. From what I've read, Mm. you don't uh, attempt to leave something in the can as long as we've left it there, which is a year. Mm. Um, for, For as long as we've left it, if it's not a darker beer, usually a porter or a stout, Preferably aged over mm-hmm. something. Okay. But it has to be over... It has to be double-digit ABV. Interesting. That's what I've read. Okay. Now, uh, that deserves a fact check. Uh, we could... You know, if we talk to some head brewers, maybe they had some more opinions on that. But generally... the So the consensus seems to be... So I'll be transparent with our listeners. Is that you can age... Anything that's over 10% ABV, that's a dark beer usually, or a sour. Those seems to be the two kinds that you can really age and still get an experience out of. Mm-hmm. Uh, or um, the other school of thought is beer is meant to be drank when it's brewed in the state that it's brewed in because there's a brewer who decided that it was ready to be had in that aging it in the closet – compromises that that vision 
Now, what are, what, what, what are your thoughts okay. on that, Chris? So, like, I can personally say that I think there are beers that are different aged, that offer a different experience. I won't mm-hmm. say better, yeah. but I think this brownie in particular was way better a year ago. So, I think aging... A year ago, the idea of learning to age things was really cool to us, mm-hmm. and we didn't quite know what it meant to age things, and I think that... While we started to grapple with that in episode two of our podcast, we've really come to terms with that a couple months later, having aged a couple things in between. And while this might be the first beer that we've aged, it's not the first beer that we've tried that has been aged. true. That we've personally aged. Mm -hmm. It's just the first beer that went into the closet. Uh, What are your thoughts with whether or not you should age a beer or shouldn't age a beer? So there is a a scientist part of me, because I'm a nerd. That wants to know what happens to these beers. I would have, I would like to had a sample of this uh, half baked brownie uh, a year ago, and compare. You did. Oh well, no, I'm saying like to have a sample, a chemical sample oh, versus God. this chemical sample, because sure. alcohol is an organic solvent, and beer is made of organic matter. And so that's part of the aging process is the breakdown over time of the alcohol. And whatever else is in the beer that acts and aids the organic solvency, which we don't have, right? by we the don't way. Know. And there's so. no, and that's kind of the the tricky part about beer. Is there's no way to really know. You're sort of dealing with the uh, the nostalgia of how you internalize that beer, mm-hmm. and that's really not about your palate. You know what I mean? It's more based based on the state of your palate versus what's more important in my mind, the impression that beer left on your palate. Yeah. Where it's like, I thought brownie was really great last time yeah. I had it. And now that I'm having it now, it's not as great. And the factors that seem to come into that are like, how much has my palate grown? How well, is that beer stored? Well, how has this beer aged? And that's the third criteria to me. How is your palate grown? Beer, how is this beer aged? I think we have to revisit the brewer's intent because we both like that pastry stout. Right. It's only been aged two months though. But now it's been sitting in a fridge, which is cold, which minimizes the aging process. But that's my point. Is this brownie, maybe it was high enough ABV, but the brewer made it knowing that it wouldn't age very well, that it should be drank fresh. We don't know because we didn't right. talk to him. Sure. But pastry stouts are very mellow, easygoing stouts. Good. And they age really well. Right. Good. And so that's that's what I'm getting at. So that there's some beers that what 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 turned us on to starting this podcast was well now we can kind of taste a beer and figure out if we want to age it even if all at all you know we can taste it and kind of have an idea of what's going to break down or what's going to change about it and say well this beer's gonna be better fresh or it's gonna be better in six months or two months or whatever so an example that would have been you know mallow blaster comes out from new glory uh-huh you can four can limit per person eight dollars a can we drink two yeah, I aged two. I'm planning mm-hmm. on aging one one year, and the plan currently is to age that second one for two years. But yeah. you know, we might have that first one be like, shoot, we should probably crack that now. Ver- versus we have psychic venom that coffee stout that didn't sell as well. Uh-huh. We have one. And I'm like, oh man, I'm only gonna age one can, which well, just went into the closet today. So that that beer though is more of a bitter beer. The stouts are more bitter. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that when we aged our stouts, they get a little bit less bitter. Uh-huh. But then some of the characteristics, some of the flavors that jump out at you when you try it fresh aren't as jumpy. They're more laid back. So I think that 
the, the Psychic Venom, it's going to age pretty well. It's still going to taste like a coffee stout, but it's going to be really mellow. And I think the part of what, what you and I liked about it when it was fresh is that coffee flavor was really strong, and they used really good coffee. Sure. You know? And so it's having like Venezuelan coffee beans or something it's, like that. It's a local, some sort of local small craft coffee place in Sacramento. Uh, starts with a V. I can't remember. Uh, Victory or Valencia or something, which I should know. The guy just told me. Uh, but that's for something like that. You got to think about that when you when you age the beer. It's a coffee stout, and when you age it, it's going to have less of that coffee flavor. So is it going to have less or more of what you originally liked about the beer? You know. Right, right. Um, and it's, it's really, you know, as much as, you know, Chris has mentioned a couple of times we've grown to be able to tell whether or not we want to age it. Um, that's really mostly a ballpark guess, I think. Um, yeah, well, it's like what you're saying with the brewer's intent, what he wants the beer to look like when you taste it, you know, when you do the profile. Right. And then us knowing what kind of happens to the beer as you age it, you know. Okay, so you you really did a really wonderful job for me, mm. where like you really just yeah applaud for golf Chris. Golf clap, golf clap. Um, where I was hoping you would say that that mm. um, you know we've grown to kind of know just for you, Jordan, just for you, how much we should age beer. <laughs> and I think we could both agree that half baked aging in a full uh. year was a bad call. Yeah. Now, tasting it, you know, having tasted it a year ago and tasting it now, how much would you have aged it? And why? When we first tried it, it was the reason why I didn't think it was a porter is because it's a little bit more bitter because of those hemp seeds. And I would have aged it probably between two months to six months at the most just to get rid of some of that bitter, just to kind of like mellow it out a little bit. I would have aged it six months. Yeah. And it would have been just enough to get the hemp seeds out of the way. Yeah. But you wouldn't have lost the chocolate that comes with it. Yeah, this one really lost the, a lot of the chocolate, you know. And it still, I think a year really took took a dent to the body. Yeah. And I don't think that the that the flavor profile, even when you read the description, is complex enough to withstand a year. And I think, bam, what a difference a year makes is we just yep. thought, oh shoot, we'll yep. just age this year. Versus now we can be like, you know, man, I don't like those um those side tails that I have in my closet from Great Basin Brewing up in uh, Reno. Those have so many different tasting notes that when we oh, first man. when we tasted those for like the first time a couple months ago, I was like, shoot, I gotta age these for another year. Like I gotta go buy. There was so much going on. With yes, those beers, and man. the oh, more shit. you know, Chris Woo. to. To summarize it for you guys, is Sightail uh, is a vintage beer. It's a vintage stout. It's an aged stout that uh, each year the number changes. So it might be a Sightail 408 or it might be a Sightail 415. And the number associated with that beer is the number of days that that beer sat in a barrel with the head brewer checking on it every day for you know a couple months, mm-hmm. seeing if it was ready or not. Yes, literally, and it's like hand, almost hand cared for beer. Hand cared for beer, yeah. right? Like, uh, and so and Chris and I had one of each vintage. We had a, a 2017 and a 2018, I believe. Yeah. And we, uh, we tried the first 
first round of 2017 versus 2018. And the thing he and I both noticed was that we sat with probably two-thirds of a glass of beer for about 45 minutes and got seven or eight, hands down, no problem, seven or eight different flavor profiles where over the course of 45 minutes to an hour, we just got seven or eight completely different flavor profiles from the beer. The longer you'd let it warm yeah. up, the more, like, the different it would be, like... It that was be... definitely... We, we should have had sniffer glasses. We should have been, like, writing shit down. That was, like... One of the most like, complex beers we've ever had. Like we so I've just like let it sit in my people. fridge. Yeah, was... Because at 2017, aged for an, another year sitting on a shelf, I was like, oh. well, screw it. Let's just put it in my closet again for another year so what what i liked about those beers that are not very common so you get stone fruit mostly like uh, plums uh dark cherry uh dates kind of flavor out of those beers mm-hmm. which you don't usually get out of stouts and i think those flavors are going to be more prominent when they're aged because the other flavors in those stouts are going to mellow out Sure. So those are the harder flavors to pick up when you and I were trying to taste those on the back end. Yeah. We're getting dates and plums, and I think right. we're gonna we're gonna get a little bit more of that, which is gonna be interesting. Yeah, I you think know? it's cool, and even if you don't, I think, I think even then it speaks to currently our agenda as sort of a complex flavor profile presents more opportunity if you age it. If you age yeah. a simple complex or a simple flavor profile. It's going to be even more simple and kind of boring when you age it. Like so, mm-hmm. I don't regret aging this half baked. I don't think this no. half baked tastes bad. That's good. But we're, I we're would have. Com- we're comparing it to Obsidian Stout and Black Butte Porter, which are two staples in the industry for stouts and porters. Sure. But right? would you rather have had it now, or would you rather cracked it open a year ago? I think with our ability to taste beer nowadays, I would have rather had a fresh one a year ago. Yeah. yeah. Me yeah. too. Me too. And that's yep. and that's attached with that is zero regret mm-hmm. of doing what we did, but also acknowledging that I think moving forward we need like 10.5 is a little too close to that double ABV threat, the double digit <clears throat> ABV threshold that mm-hmm. I was talking about earlier yeah. for aging, where like technically you can age it, but it better be a really complex flavor profile. Is sort of yeah. where I want to land is. It better be 10% with, like, a lot of stuff in it and a lot yeah. of stuff to taste. But usually if there's a lot of stuff to taste in it, it's 12 plus minimum. And those are the things yeah. you should you should uh, shoot to age for. You know, I have seven or eight bottles of Goose Island sitting in my closet right now. Mm-hmm. It's, like, three or four. It's 2016, three or four 2017s right now. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's like five. I forget. Do you have any twenty eighteens? You hold on to them. I need to start. I need to start picking up. You should get like two or three of those, man. Hold on to them. And you get like five. Five. Because because original, you know, initial like. Oh. So we, you know, when we're drinking through twenty twenty three Goose Islands, you can do because they age for up to five years. So you can do twenty, which means you can do six bottles. (sighs) Yeah. The bottle that's aged for five years and the bottle that came out. So you can do 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, and 2023. So you know that this year, though, for Black Friday, I'm going to be at a BevMo or a Total Wine. And I'm going to get the uh, Goose Island Reserve uh-huh. and a couple other of their special editions that we couldn't get this year. 
they're supposed to Which we didn't really know about. No. So until this year. That, well, last year technically, but... That, that Goose Island Reserve is barrel-aged for an excessive amount of time in better barrels. Yeah. So that would be cool to get a couple of those and see how they age and try one fresh. And whoo, boy, man. Which, I mean, I'm going to go on the record saying that if I had to name the best beer I've ever had, it's 2016 Goose Island Bourbon Country Stout. Yes. Agree. Even, like, Chris and I just cracked up in a bottle. Like, when we did our aging on episode 2, 2016, having sat on a shelf that we don't even know how the hell how... And we drank two it years. next to 17, 18. And 15. 15, 15 yeah. was pretty great, too. Uh, 15 was a little bit bland. I think 15 and 16, they stepped up their game a little bit. But I think 15 was still better than 17 and 18. 17 was... That was that was the interesting part about that podcast. It was, we drank 17, and it was the least exciting. Uh-huh. It, was, it was less exciting than 18, and you would expect it to be better because it's aged a year. And those beers age really well. Right. You know? And so, 17 is kind of a disappointment, which is why I haven't picked up more bottles of 17, even though I need to, specifically yeah. for the flight purposes that yeah. we'll do every December. But, um, those are the kinds of beers, you know, Goose Island has a lot of tasting notes, the same way the Sightail beers do. I think the Sightails are more complex, man. I do. They're no, me way, too. They're a little bit more. I think they're more complex, but I do think the Goose Island's pound for pound are better. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's there's just... such a thing as there's too much of a good thing, right? Like that's. So so you and I tried the one thing that got really close to Goose Island uh, lately was that vanilla, Infinite Void. Which I think is the closest. Th- so other than Infinite Vanilla Void, which is the closest thing to second place we've ever had? Yeah. What do you think yeah. it is? What do you think other than other than Infinite uh, Infinite Void Vanilla? What is the second closest beer? To Goose Island that we've had. Because Chris and I have done this thing where we've – it was specifically in 2016 when we had a lot of 2016 Goose Island. We didn't really realize how amazing that beer was. Chris and I would do the same route where we'd have a barrel-aged type like, oh, no, man. It's it's close to Goose Island. And we'd have it next to Goose Island in a flight. And be like, oh, no. This doesn't even come close. What's the next – so I think Vin- Infinite Vin- uh, Void Vanilla mm-hmm. by New Glory – that we just had a couple weeks ago was is hands down the second. It's but before before Infinite Void Vanilla took took second place, what had it in your mind? It was one of the side tails. You think so? Yeah. Because for me, it was Coconut Narwhal. You know, Coconut Narwhal was really good, really drinkable. Um, I didn't think it had the. It's not as complex as one of the side tails, and for me. One of the reasons that I personally like those Goose Island beers is because there's five or six different layers of the tasting. Like, you can taste through a bunch of stuff, and there's it's complex enough where you can drink it and be fine, but if you want more, there's more for you to kind of discover about it. And that's what I really liked about those Sidetail beers, is that you can really, like... What well, the Sidetail beers are seven or eight flavors. That's what I'm saying. Like, like, there's more like, flavors in the Goose Island beers to go through. Yeah. But but compared to coconut narwhal, I think coconut narwhal had maybe four or five of the most. It, I, sure, and I remember being three or four. It was very drinkable. It was very smooth, very flavorful, delicious, very well made. So you put the side tails ahead of coconut narwhal. Yeah, a little bit because there was more there for people to 
grasp onto. If they want more depth in a beer, there's more there for them. But the enjoyment is still the same. Like, like you're not going to say that you enjoyed... Uh, if you're not looking for much from the beer, you're going to put Goose Island and Sidetail and Coconut Narwhal kind of on the same... Yeah, they're all barrel-aged, and they're all pretty good, and whatever, you know, they're all, they're all whatever sure. for most people. But if you're looking for more, I think the Coconut Narwhal offers the least. So if you're looking for more enjoyment, mm-hmm. is there a case to be made that the Sightails are better than 2016 Goose? Is there a case to be made? No, because when you're looking for specific flavors... Uh, when you're trying to piece apart those beers, I think the side tails are more complex, but the flavors, the, the, the tasting notes that you get out of the side tails are not as enjoyable or fully developed or, or just just delicious as the ones you get out of Goose Island. Which, for me, I come from a background mm. where I camped a lot, I did a lot of s'mores, a lot of stuff around the fireplace. Uh, well, Goose Island taps into a lot of those. Exactly. Yeah. But for me personally, so I, I enjoy those more because it, it, it means more to me. But the side tail is different. The side tail is not a, a s'more. So about, what you're you know? talking about, I think, is really kind of cool where Goose Island seems to be the perfect balance of complexity mm-hmm. versus accessibility. Whereas yeah. the side tails... The side tails, I think, is hands down a more complex beer. Oh, it is way more complex. But it doesn't mean it's better. The, there's more flavors, but, there's, but the flavors aren't there's better. There's definitely That's, more to explore. It's mm-hmm. a bigger beer to explore. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a harder-hitting beer. Mm-hmm. But I think that's interesting because for the longest time, our biggest complaint with beers against... You know, whenever we do this thing again, you know, we compare stout, other bourbon barrel-aged mm-hmm. stouts versus Goose Island is that they didn't hit as hard. And we found a threshold where that was no longer... Yeah. We got some beers that hit just as hard, but you're talking about the quality of the hitting. Infinite Void Vanilla hits just as hard, mm -hmm. but there's a whole lot less complexity, too. Yeah. To be honest, I think the side tails have a whole lot more complexity. I don't even know that they hit as hard, per se. That's I think that's part of the appeal of the side tails is they're a little bit more accessible, because they sneak up on you. They kind of like they kind of bring you. You think in. the side tails are more accessible? More accessible. Well, I don't think they're as accessible because I don't think a lot of people can taste all of the things that are in it. You know what I mean, well, like no, it that's, took that's you and I forty five. Oh, okay. So when you say accessible, what do you mean then? I mean like you can give it to people who think they're beer snobs, who are like, let's see, minus students. And they'll enjoy it. They might not be able to tell the difference okay. between the other ones because they can't taste that complexity. But it's not one of those beers like you have to really understand beer. You have to really understand the tasting notes. Really know what you're looking for in order to get out of it what you're looking for. Uh, versus like uh, Goose Island. For people that have a sweet tooth, it's kind of a sweeter stout. Or you know, for people that like whiskey, it's, you can taste the whiskey. Or people that like... Uh, marshmallow, drink, graham marshmallow, graham cracker, a little bit of uh, caramel. You know, it's all in there. It's it's a little bit more accessible. Um, I think Infinite Void's more accessible in that way too, because the vanilla, especially the vanilla Infinite Void, it was really mellow, really sweet. Well, really Infinite welcoming. Void vanilla is super accessible. Like there's just not a kind of complexity in the tasting notes. I just think yeah. it's just. I mean, I've been an Infinite Void fanboy for a long time. Well, you and I have had it from the beginning. We've mm-hmm. had this. That's literally the the eighteen. 
uh, vanilla and 18 regular that they dropped was the same batch that you and I tried from their original batch of Infinite Void. Well, that makes a lot That's of sense. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. We literally had that the same batch in different renderings. That. That's yes. cool. Yeah. Um, they just aged it in four roses barrels at different increments. And, you know, we've had, at this point, we've had, what, four different batches of Infinite Void then? Original, we had 6, 12, and 18 in vanilla. So 6, 12, 18 in vanilla. And then original. So we had five different variations of Infinite Void. And that Infinite Void Vanilla, I think, is the best one. 18 months, four roses barrels. With vanilla. With vanilla from Madagascar. Which I will say... That's pretty good. When we did the 12... Whatever we had in December was pretty freaking good, too. Vanilla's better. That was the 12-month bourbon barrel. So what's interesting? Which is pretty damn good. Which is interesting. They dropped the vanilla and the eight. So so they had the twelfth month that they left in barrels for another six months, and then they took one and aged it over vanilla. We liked the vanilla more than the eighteen, and almost as much or a little bit better than the twelfth. So that's another interesting topic: is how long is barrel aging good for a beer? Because they we like the twelve, and then we like eighteen vanilla. More well, we than did, we like 18 regular. Right. right? So, so I think the 18 vanilla definitely gave that beer a little bit more life than we were looking for. Yeah. Well, um, then 12. And that 12, dude, the 12 wrecks the 18. Mm-hmm. I remember, I distinctly, the 12 really left an impression on me. Isn't that, that was, interesting? Um, you leave it in the barrel for six more months and it's not as good. Right. Right. And, you know, to be honest, like, for our listeners, we don't have nearly enough homebrew experience. No, we have no to, idea. To we really, just, to we really, just drink the beer. That's all right. we do. But I think we've had enough beer, and we've aged enough beer within like very limited circumstances to kind of understand what that trajectory sort of looks like. Mm-hmm. Yep. But on we, like a well fairly mediocre level. But like, okay, can you imagine had they taken that model blaster and barrel aged it? Dude. That would have been pretty good. But that's the Dude. thing. Is you and I were just talking about earlier. Dude. Six what? months of no. a model blaster and a barrel. And a, well, what kind of barrel, though? Because we just talked earlier about model blaster and a Definitely rum. Definitely bourbon. Bourbon versus rum? Because definitely rum brings bourbon. out that lighter, for, the for, sugary... For model blaster, definitely bourbon. Okay. Because that's another that's another factor to consider. Because there's brandy, bourbon, um, uh, rum barrels, cognac barrels. There's all kinds of barrels now sure. that bring out different flavors and new sure. beers. We've had that from the Abyss series from Deschutes, where they have the Abyss series in different barrels. Uh huh. Tequila barrels, one of them. It it makes a Which difference. Which tequila was my favorite. Yeah, right. You would never guess, but I don't really a, drink tequila. It's a stout agent of tequila barrel. It was pretty good. You ready to crack had that, open that other beer? Yeah. So we had that uh, rum barrel aged Bronio from Lagunitas too. Remember that was pretty good. That was, you're right, that was pretty dang good. There's some beers that, <clears throat> when they're sweeter, like I would assume a pastry stout, <coughs> oh, excuse me, I would assume a pastry stout or some of these porters that we drank would do pretty well in a rum barrel. So, sure. Maybe. Sure, that's a very Maybe. fair point. I, but I, bourbon's also very sugary, but it's sugary in a different kind of... My personal no. palate disagrees with you because I really enjoy the bourbon over rum. Oh, me too. Well, la- remember last week we didn't podcast, but I brought over when we... Was it last week or the week before? When we cracked open those uh, Four Roses barrel-aged Infinite Voids, and I brought over some Four Roses bourbon for us to pregame with. Did that help? Yes. It helped a lot, right? I agree. So, I, I, I do think it helped. 
Um, it, I do think it helped. Uh, it, it was interesting. It helped me personally. Yeah. So this next beer is Plentiful Pastries. Uh, New Glory does this really amazing thing during beer week. Uh, we caught on last year. They're doing it again this year where they have a donut food truck show up and do beer pairings to collaborate with the donut food truck. Um, I think it's a food truck. Yeah, they have, they have they do donuts with a beer. Donuts with a beer. It's a pairing. Yeah. And which I think is really cool because it's a pastry style and they do pastries. Um, this is um, – I'll read the description right off the can for you. If you didn't know, we are totally New Glory fanboys. Uh, American Imperial Stout brewed with maple sugar and Ooh. maple donuts and conditioned on coffee Wait. and vanilla. Wait. Indulge now or age for later. So they specifically said age for later, which I think we totally jumped on board with. But smell it, Jordan. What's the first thing you smell in this beer? This half-baked that we aged does not say age for later. Interesting. And oh. this is 11% versus 10.5, which I think is cool to note. Um, and also another cool thing before we get into the actual tasting of the beer. Mm. Chris and I, I, I aged a four-pack. Did you age a four-pack? Of those? Yeah. I aged a two-pack. Cool. So we, we, we had we them. had this again mm-hmm. six months ago, and it was noticeably smoother, yeah. but also still amazing. Mm-hmm. So you're about to get a very transparent tasting experience. No, smell this, Jordan, and tell me what you smell. I smell one thing. What is it? I taste or I smell a lot of maple. I smell coffee. I can't smell anything else. Okay, I smell. If you ask me if I smell coffee, I'd tell you yes. I still smell a lot of maple. I could see that. Maple syrup. There's a lot of maple. Yeah. There is coffee. You were right. You had it. Coffee, for me, personally, is a stronger smell compared to when we smelled the chocolate flipping good, which also has maple in it. Okay, it's not as maple as the chocolate flipping good. Right. But I take okay. I but that's the first thing question. that popped out to me was yeah. the maple. But okay. when you said coffee, went back, which is more the limitations of my palate rather than the limitations of the beer. So how much maple did they add to this beer versus the flipping good series? Well, it must be, be a substantial amount if we can age this for a year and still smell maple. The maple I smell in this one is is a very much. Um, All right. Well, hold on. Cheers, and let's just do this. So when you smell, like, think maple syrup and bacon. Like the crisp, like, like, like some sort of cooked maple. Not pancakes, maybe burnt pancakes. It's very dark smelling. We had this right at six months. Hmm. We should just, I should put the other two cans I have in my closet in the fridge. We shouldn't age them past this. We should just put them in the fridge and drink them when we get to them. All the sweet flavors of like maple and... Are gone. It's a purely, it's it's kind of flat, if I'm being honest. It's like a bitter coffee stout. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Which also goes to my point. Like this is 11. Anything under 12, I wouldn't bother aging, which moves the... For more than six months. For more than six months. Because some of the, like this Crooked Lane... Or the claim steak crawl that we had, we ate, you aged it for a couple months, right? It, That's pretty even, good. But even then, like, was, this, is, you know, this pastry stout was better. We we both, before we turned the recorder on, both acknowledged this claim straight the part low. It's a cookies and cream pastry stout at 11.8%. was better for six months. Which then begs the question, should you only age it for a year if it's post 15%? I would say between 12 and 15%, you're looking at a year. If it's above 15%, you're looking at multiple years. 
But, okay, so we've had Goose Island beers that have only been aged for a year. That uh-huh. still tastes great after a year. Mm-hmm. Would you still not open them after a year? If I had multiples of the same one, I'd do it like what we're doing, where I'd open one every either six months or a year. I see what you're saying. So yeah. if, it's, if it eclipses 15, mm-hmm. it opens the possibility of, for yeah. of multiple years. But some but of these – doesn't necessarily mean you aged it for multiple years. Yeah, like we okay. had 2016 Goose. It's two years old. Right now we think it's the most amazing beer in the world. What if we open it next year and it's not as good? What if two years is the prime for 2016, and what if one year is the prime for 2017, and what if uh, fresh is the prime for 2018, stuff like that? We don't know. It's it's trial and error. That's the, kind of the hard part with this is you're gambling a lot of time, right? 100%. And I think that's and, also as much as it kind of sucks sometimes to like open like a half-baked porter like we mm-hmm. did and realize that it was better a year ago. Or to open this plentiful pastries and realize it was better six months ago. It's yeah. also kind of fun too. So I would yeah. hate to discourage our listeners from aging beer. It's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun to yeah. put things in the closet and think I'll open this a year from now. And you know I opened both that half-baked and the plentiful pastries today mm-hmm. and put them in the fridge today. And it was like really exciting for me to do that yeah. for both of those oh, beers. Yeah, for sure. yeah. And so I – I, we didn't know. Would, we didn't know. Hundred percent. I would yeah. hate to discourage people like as much as like half baked was our first beer uh, that we ever aged. Plentiful pastries was our second. Yeah. And I think we both misjudged um, what it looked like. But plentiful pastries after six months was pretty freaking good. And yeah. coming what up, was plentiful pastries about ten percent. It's twelve. So that's or it's eleven point nine. That's what I was about to ask you. So there's... Or it's 11, actually. Sorry, I'm sorry. 11. Brownie was 10.5. Plentiful was 11, which is why five minutes ago I brought up that maybe 12% is that threshold we were talking about mm-hmm. for 6 to 12, and you were talking about how 15 is that threshold for multiple years. Yeah, so if you have a beer that's less than 12%, I wouldn't say age it more than six months. I, at most. I would say maybe yeah. let's say... And here's what we're talking about, like aging conditions. If you're going to let it sit in your fri- like fridge for six months, I say yes. Yeah. If you're going to put it in dry storage for six months, I say no. Two, three months at the most. Right. Yeah. For under 12%. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of hypocritical because I think this, this Plentiful Pastries was good after six months. But this – Half baked was not good after a year at all. Yeah. So maybe so maybe six months is the threshold, whether it's dry storage or not. And we would need to do more. I would say three to six months, I guess. Then. Yeah. But I would I would probably. But then you'd have to determine based off of your original tasting notes and how complex the beer is. And what you tasted it at on so the tap, both right? of these are both of these are more on the, on the dessert spectrum, which I think is a fair point to bring up. Yeah, and yeah. I think I would feel more comfortable aging both of these, even knowing what I know about plentiful pastries now. I think if I was to get pastry stouts again from like from the same brewery, New Glory is about to drop another donut pairing beer. Yeah, for Beer Week, I think I I'm gonna buy a four pack, one four pack. And drink all four of them within six months while they hang out in the fridge. Yeah, there you go. I don't think I would six age. Months. I don't yeah. think I would dry storage any of them. Like I'm on. I'm serious. I'm gonna pull these other two cans that I have in my closet out of my closet, put them in my fridge, 
which is 100% like we, when we talked about aging beers a year ago, we talked about how this is part of the learning curve. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly what we want to lean into to learn what we want to learn about beer. And I'm going to be yeah. as transparent as I can be with those kinds of things. Like, I think we got some of it wrong, and that's part of the ball game. And I yeah. think that leaning into it and being honest about it is way cooler than trying to like act like we knew. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's part of the fun. That's why we enjoyed it. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So if you're skipping all of that, then you're not. You're just aging beer. You're not having fun aging beer. You're not having fun tasting beer. And so then, what does beer really become? So both of right? these beers. Is it unfair to say? That both of these beers were better when they were made. What? Uh, brownie versus pastry? So brownie... Okay, let's just start with brownie. Oh. Would you would you regret aging it for a year in the sense that you would have rather had it a year ago versus now? Well, both of these, I would say less than six months aging. Sure. Okay, so that's a yes. Yeah. So, so brownie mm-hmm. is kind of like ah, I wouldn't have aged it a year. Plentiful yeah, pastries. Plentiful pastries was good after six months. It was still pretty good. At six months. Yes. So, but it, right now it's it it's not. Or did it get compared to fresh? What do you think? I think it got better between the three to six month range than it was fresh. But beyond six months, I don't know if it's as good. Which is an interesting point. So I don't know how you decide it got better. Unless you've had it right when it's made, we did. hundred percent. We, we yeah. did. We, we absolutely did. Fresh. No, I'm not telling. I'm not telling you we didn't. I'm telling like for the like, listeners' wait a sake. Second. Is that a trick question? Because we got it fresh. For the listeners' sake, <laughs> like yes, you can read tasting notes and read into a lot of complexity, but yeah. until you've had it, yeah. And I think so much of this experience is like age something and age it wrong. Like we both know, we have these like rum invasion porters sitting in our closet oh. that are like six and a half percent. That it tastes like junk. Yeah. And I think we should do an episode of beer that tastes like junk. Let's do it. Where you get all kinds of bad. Mm. Well, and then we should also get that version, that, oh yeah, version three, that grape sour that's been sitting in my closet by track seven for a year. Oh, you know what I mean? And just, yeah, 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 and just talk about it. Uh, I think that would be really, really great. To just be really honest about this this part of our beer journey, because I do think like aging Goose Islands and aging Mollow Blaster and aging the Psychic Venom, which mm-hmm. are all like fourteen minimum plus. Mm-hmm. I have zero reservations about, but these like ten percenters, uh, and eleven percent, ten and a half even like I just they just can't hang. They can't. They can't. After a year, they can't. Three to six months, they can. But it's still more than that two to three month threshold we were sort of talking about with IPAs. Yeah. And even three months is towards the end of that threshold. Whereas I think like if you age these stouts for 12 months, you're not going to regret drinking them. But they will pale in comparison to the to the way they were the year prior. Yeah. This was infinitely better, infinitely voidly better than um. So, finish, than it was a year ago. You know. So finish your thought because I oh, have sorry, a really year. interesting thing to bring up. Oh, bring it up. That's fine. So, I can't remember if it was flipping good 
or if it was Infinite Void or some other dark beer that New Glory came out with a year and a half ago, Jordan and I were blown away. And we jumped on board this train where we started buying the dark beers that are released during the can releases at New Glory. Flipping Good was released a year and a half ago. Okay, so that's probably what started it. Well, it was a year and eight months ago. It was okay. released in August a year and eight okay. months ago. This is April 13th. It was released mid-August. So, do you remember that we started like kind of getting to the point where we... We bought a can of regular... We bought a four-pack of regular and regular Flipping Good mm-hmm. and chocolate Flipping Good. And regular just had the edge. And here we are now, yeah. and I actually think I prefer chocolate. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. And that's just not tonight. I've been feeling that way for like the last six months. I think but I think regular flipping goes a little too sweet for what it does. It's sweet, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's hard to tell. I don't know. This has been sitting in my fridge for a couple months, and I think maybe a couple months has done it some good. But that's my point is you and I bought these dark beers from New Glory, and we didn't really know what to do with them yet. We just drank them and go, well, okay, that's good. All right, well, you know, it's it, take it at face value. And it was when... A year, well, um, a year and eight months ago, we were less than a year into our... Our beer adventures? Our brewery adventures. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying, like, when you bought this this uh, half-baked is when we really got into aging, which we which weren't... eight months later. We weren't really... We, about we, a year ago. we did a couple of the cam releases for New Glory where they were really expensive, really dark beers. And we're like, you know, these are good, but we don't really see why people keep buying them out like why are they selling out immediately why are they going people going sure, nuts yeah that's a fair point but then we started aging them keeping them in the closet keeping them in the fridge and i think a little bit of the hype started to kind of make sense not all of it but a little bit we started to see some potential right yeah and i think you know we lost the site we said well a lot of these aren't really super worth the hype of eight ten dollars a can but then we started aging them. Like, okay, well, they're so they weren't good. worth. Yeah. They weren't worth eight to ten dollars a can, but we did buy three, four packs of that plentiful pastries. Yes. Of the plentiful pastries, mm-hmm. we bought twelve cans each. 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 Uh, well, that was. And that's that's a little over a year ago. Is mm-hmm. is second week of May, and we're so it's about a month a month so it's about nine months ago or. 11 months ago, mm-hmm. instead of a full year, mm-hmm. where we bought three four-packs of Plentiful Pastries, mm-hmm. and we intentionally aged a four-pack to do 6, 12, 18, and 24 months, respectively. Uh-huh. And now yeah. we've kind of seen, like, nope, they're a little over-tapped already. But, but that's where I, um, I'm bringing up the fact that we didn't really see the hype about these beers, why everyone was going nuts until we started aging beers. Okay, and then uh, we my point is it. maybe we hyped them while buying them Was because to buy 12 cans of a beer that we're not hyped on doesn't make sense to me. Well, it tasted pretty good. That's one of the first – tell me that this pastry stout was not the one that got you into pastry stouts. If it wasn't this one, which one was it? It was that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This got us into that genre of pastry stouts where we're like, oh, these are really good. This yeah, is a great pastry yeah. stout. That was the one. It even I still remember the first can I opened. It was you know, twenty five feet that way at that dinner table. Yep. And I cracked one open. And I was like, man, it looks like motor oil. It's like it doesn't taste like it. 
He was like, I beg to differ. And I handed it to his wife, and she tasted it. like, man, that's really yummy. You want a can? And she thought about it, and normally mm. she does, anytime I pass her a beer, she doesn't think go. about it. And she was like, ah, no, that mm. is really yummy, though. Yes, it is. Yes, but, it tastes like donuts. And then you picked me up to go to New Glory half hour later, and I already had two four-packs in my fridge, and I remember buying a third one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I had seven cans technically because I cracked them already. But I bought four more cans that I intended to age because those – that. So that speaks to some of the – okay, naiveness is not a word, but I'm going to make it one. Naiveness Naivete. Of, not – whatever. Unknown. I was a little naive with how I was tasting stouts at the time, especially dessert stouts. Mm-hmm. And I went a little overboard. It was also pretty good after six months. I remember it was tasting really in December good six months, man. having yes. had a lot of Woo. beer in – like Chris and I have a lot of beer. We try a lot of different things. We specifically split cans so we can try things all the time. So one of my favorite seasons is that late fall, winter transition between Oktoberfest style, uh, you know, German lagers and ales. And then into the barrel-aged stuff that has been sitting for months, and then they crack it open over winter. That For me personally, I like that a lot of the barrel-aged stuff. Oh, it's my jam. Yeah. I mean, we, mm. we typically go through – typically, IPAs are, are good year-round, more or less. Sours are good. Almost year round, oh, more yeah. or less. Yeah, yeah. Some of the new kettle sours are like really barrel aged beer. We go through phases where like every yeah. every third month yeah. we go through like a like which is why we're doing like a dark beer night, right? Like where I texted you a couple days ago, I was like, hey, how do you feel about a dark beer night? Like, hey, that sounds good. Yeah. We're like uh, we're like girls with our periods, our palates synced up, and we're both feeling dark mm-hmm. beer. Yep. Yep. And um. We can't really say that about other styles outside of like IPAs, stouts, mm. and sours. Like red ales, ambers. You know what it was? Halves, like we're not really feeling all the time. You know what the gateway was for me? Hmm. So it was a long time ago when I was a young Padawan of beer drinking. Long time ago. I had a lot to learn. I had just gotten into Newcastle Brown Ale okay. on a hot summer day. Everyone says drink lagers, pilsners. IPAs, pale ales on the summer day, and I was drinking Newcastle Brown. I said, "Hey, this is actually pretty, pretty nice." And I think a lot of these beers will be open tonight, uh, with them being aged a little more mellow. I wouldn't mind having them on a hot summer day, especially in the evening, like after dinner, sit next to the pool, you know. So, like, if it's 115 outside and we cracked open that half baked, how would you feel about it? Well, in the middle of the day, if it's one o'clock in the afternoon, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like it. But, you know, 6, 7 o'clock, the sun's going down. We're hanging out. It's, you know, 70, 80 degrees. A year-old half-baked. Yeah. Oh. I'd be down with that. After cool. dinner, chilling, you know. Cool. I think that's important. Yeah. What about this one? I would say it had to be the same. It would be towards sunset, the evening. Now, it okay. couldn't be the peak of the day. I couldn't drink this really heavy, black, dark beer in the middle of a hot day. All right. So, Chris and I do this thing. So I'm going to kind of put you on the spot, and then we're going to go. Uh-oh. Because we got to order food and get our drunk munchies on. Mm. It's already 11.35. So Ooh. right now our standings 
Before we include plentiful pastries, the part low is number one. That's the pastry stout from Clams Day. Delicious. Delicious. Mm-hmm. Followed by chocolate from good from New Glory, which is mm-hmm. solid. And then, hold on. No, no, no. I'll put that can down. Yep. Screw you. And then followed by half-baked. Uh-huh. Followed by the clam steak hazy double. Nope. Which is not as good as it sounds. I know people listening who know clam steak will say, hey, screw you. The clam steak hazies are great. It's mm. the only one I've been disappointed by. Not this clam one. Steak. <laughs> right. Yeah. Not this one. Literally every other beer from clam So steak. we have a first, second, third, and fourth, which is, you know, to clam steak, new glory, New Glory, Claim Steak. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't yeah. think about that. Yeah. And we're about to put a new, another New Glory beer. So I'll re- So the part low, chocolate flipping good, half baked, hazy double. Uh-huh. Where does plentiful pastries go in this hierarchy? I was trying to smell the beer cans to remind me, so that I can make a decision. I'm not much for coffee stouts, and coffee porters. I would put it. A little bit ahead of Brownie Half Base. So Chris does this thing that kind of irks me. <laughs> so we do part low at or part low at number one, chocolate flipping good at two, uh-huh. plentiful pastries at two and a half, two and a half, <laughs> half then, baked at three, yeah. clam steak, uh, hazy double at four. Yep. And I like to round out my convictions a little bit more. I'm actually going to double down. Well, all right. So I would I would agree with you here. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. So my version is the first two are the same. Part low and chocolate flipping good are one and two. Half baked mm-hmm. is three, though. Yeah. And plentiful pastries is four. So mine's a whole 1.5 lower than Chris. And he's going to say he agrees, which you look defending agree, that. And- but I'm going to defend it. You watch, right? So <laughs> one and two. One and two are your podium. One, two. Definitive. There's three people on the podium, bitch, just no. so you know. There's a gap between two and three. You're talking about a gap between chocolate flipping good and a year-old half-baked. You can't tell me they're right next to each other. They're not. There's a gap. But half-baked versus plentiful pastry, both aged – I would say those two are close together, between three and four, and then you have this claim stick IPA, which I don't. We're trying to compare a freaking hazy IPA to a bunch of these beers. No, I'm you not know? trying to compare just, it to them. Uh, I'm just also notate like okay. So I think the well, most. So I do this thing where I intentionally do something that is unpopular, to see what Chris has to say. So really, what I think the most agreeable stance is that the part low, the cookies and cream pastry stout from Clam yep. Steak is hands down the best thing we've had. Yep. Followed by chocolate flipping good from the New, New yep. Glory. Number two. This 12-month aged half-baked porter versus the 11-month aged plentiful pastry stout are yeah. the same, but there's a gap in third place that we don't like to put either beer. These are very clearly fourth. Yeah. That's what I was trying to explain. There's, there's not... And it's not second to third. There's not that direct. No, and there's not a third. And yeah. then, so third is vacant, and then they both get fourth, <laughs> which means that in sixth place. <laughs> because there is, is a gap the, between these two. and is, Well, fourth and fifth. Uh, so so they, they both get fourth, which means fourth and fourth, which means that one of them should have gotten fifth. 
Um, is this claim stake hazy double, which not is to is not to compare this hazy double to all these dark beers, is more to like publicly shame this claim stake hazy double because everything like yeah. to to double down on how I feel about claim stake. Claim stake is the number one beer on this countdown. The Parlo yeah. is really, really amazing. Well, have you and ever everything... had a steak that wasn't like, amazing? Amazing besides no. this one? Yeah. No, exactly. Even this that is... no boil IPA. Yeah. It was so the no boil IPA that Clam Steak came out with wasn't my favorite, but I at least respected it because it was trying something new yeah. and it was totally worth trying. Whereas this hazy double, like hazy's to me, you better hit it out of the park. Or it instantaneously becomes generic to me. You don't have to filter it. You can dry hop it. And if you understand hops and malt, then how do you get a hazy wrong? You know what I mean? Unless you don't try. Sure. Sure. And We so don't know it, because we're not brewers, but from the ones that we've tried, how do you, you know? And so, to, like, we talked about this not while we weren't recording. This clam steak hazy devil feels like they were filling a void on the board yeah. versus yeah. making the best possible beer. Like Which they were look this beer was know. made in the context of what they were already offering and they also put it in cans to make some money. Which yeah. is not to hate on Clamsteak. I like am a Clamsteak fanboy. Oh yeah. Aside of like Track 7 and New Glory, which are like the top 2 breweries for me in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um not to say that they're the best breweries, but those are the two that, like, when they do can releases, those are the two I'm trying to hustle down to. Yep. Um, yep. We're like Burning Barrel, Claim Steak, Moxa, Thin Line. Um, those are also the breweries where I'm paying attention when they drop they drop new stuff. And yeah. I have nothing but respect for Claim Steak. But I think this beer, this immortal, immortal American is not quite up to the standard that I've had. For clam steak? No. I and was about to ask you. Clam steak's dope. I can't, like, I'm not even hating on clam steak. Mm-hmm. I just think this Immortal American is not nearly as good as the other hazies that I've had from clam steak or the no. other IPAs or even, like, not so, to compare it to this pastry stout, but this pastry stout is, like, fucking leading the whole it's, countdown it's with dark incredible. beer. But, like, it beat three New Glory dark beers. So here's what I was going to ask, though, because we're talking about the Glory. Um, if that clam steak American was actually. Either soaked uh, double dry hopped or loudmouth double dry hopped, would you still put it in sixth place? No, soaked double dry hopped by New Glory mm-hmm. would be would beat the part low by Clam Steak. Soaked double dry hopped. Is... I'd put them. I, I think part low is a little bit better. I'm I'm more inclined to dark beers. That's my thing. So okay, so I think agenda, yeah. I think okay, so. At least what we've agreed on. The question was, would put social double dry hop six plays? Yeah. And the answer between both of us is emphatically no. No. And the placement of that beer is sort of up for discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, dude, Soaked double dry hops is, to me, at its worst, in my opinion, is on par with the part low. It's hands down better than chocolate flipping good, plentiful pa- oh, aged plentiful pastries, aged half-baked. Whereas if we were to reopen this discussion with um non-aged beer mm-hmm. i would honestly put it i think plentiful pastries is the best one not aged it was really good it was so good i think oh, yeah. the part low though is number two still at its worst it was very good we and have, we had the part low barely aged and half baked is third yeah 
Chocolate Flipping goes fourth, and this Clam Steak Hazy Double is fifth. Which just, I mean, I'm just not, I, in the least hating way, I'm just not, I'm not overly impressed with this Clam Steak Immortal yeah. American. You should totally get it and try it. Maybe you'll have a completely different opinion. Again, yeah. I love Clam Steak. I think mm-hmm. Clam Steak is amazing. You should absolutely go to Clam Steak and check it out. I don't think Immortal American is their best work. No, it felt like they kind of just cranked out a beer. Yeah, they're like, well, we need a hazy. Which is something so, breweries do. Like we just went and just put on the board. We yeah. went. Okay, you went to a new Glory can release yesterday where you didn't even realize it was a can release. Yeah. And Track Seven just had a can release that we neither one of us bothered to check out. So it happens. It right, happens. absolutely happens. Which is more to articulate like though I'm not hating but, on Claim Steak. But that's the funny part is I was at New Glory and normally Jordan and I are like really all about the New Glory can release. To be clear, yesterday make... I knew it was a can release. <laughs> I didn't know. I was there. I got invited by some I didn't go. I knew it was the can release and I didn't go, which shows how imp- not so, impressed I was. We follow them online. We, we totally support all their beer. We love their beer. Uh, I got asked by some friends to go there for a little bit. I showed up. I was talking to some of the, the people that work behind the counter that we know pretty well because Jordan and I actually go probably too much. <laughs> so we it's know true. them all. It's true. <laughs> we know them. It's fair. And and I was talking about some of the new beers, and I, I, there's some beers that I really like that they have right now. And so I was drinking those, and they had me sample some of the new beers. Well, I sampled them. I was like, well, these are okay. And they told me those are for the can release. I didn't – I couldn't believe it because they were kind of like, yeah. But then you look at the, some of the can releases that are coming out in the next, like, three weeks with, like, Beer Week coming up and uh, some of the special editions – and I was like, dude, people probably didn't even see this because they're so pumped about like Six Shades of Dark and like the, the new pastry pairings. Flavor. The yeah, new, the pastry yeah. Pairing, there's yeah. so many amazing beers coming out. And, oh. Yeah. And so that that was my point is it we couldn't we couldn't do this podcast mm. justice without expressing that like, yeah, these can can like as much as we're coming to the defensive claim claim stake for the like Track Seven New Glory, who yeah. we posted as the titans of the brewery world in mm-hmm. Sacramento, for coming out with these like moderately lame can releases. But that's the thing is, is New Glory's can release was a beer that they've released previously, and a I new beer. It was double dry hopped Ubedank. No, it was regular Ubedank. Uh, was Zwickle, it bigger cans? Zwickle Me Timbers. So so they do Ubedank in the bigger cans for Sac Republic because they're official sponsors. So they had 24-ounce cans for the stadium, which you can buy at the brewery, but they'd sell them at the stadium. So go see Sac Republic Soccer and buy New Glory 24-ounce cans. It's a really good deal. It's a very good beer. That's cool. It's awesome. That's cool. It's got a bear on the on the label. It's Like how cool. many times can you go to a sporting event and get a 24-ounce can of a, like, a really amazing craft beer, which Uber Dank which, is? Oh, you, you can't do – I'm going to – this is me throwing shade at, at uh, Knee Deep. Knee Deep is one of the official breweries for um, – Rivercats, and Deep hasn't been making very good beers, but they have one that's specifically for the Rivercats that Sack I fly. tried, and I don't like it very much. But I do like... Sackfly. Yeah, Ubedank is very good, and so, to pick Ubedank for Sac Republic is, is a it's a good choice. Uh-huh. It's a good choice. It's a good uh-huh. beer. And it's it's still made craft. And so that, and then um, they had Swickleman Timbers, which is their kind of their Hellas lager, their German uh, come Oktoberfest-style lager. And then they had uh, their tart uh, IPA, which tasted like a bitter IPA with a little bit of tart. Between those two, I wasn't super excited about their can release or their their beer release. If you had to get a four pack, right? 
We, I got a four pack for a friend. No, but hold then on. we've if you also had, to buy had a four pack for you. What would it have been? I did buy a four pack actually. Funny you bring this up. I bought a four pack of Ubenank, regular. <laughs> not so not hops or tart. <laughs> no, you or bought hold on, which is like the track seven equivalent of buying a four pack of Panic mm-hmm. or Beeline. That's where I was at. Because Dope. and that's one not of, even because no. I'm going to judge you, but that's for our listeners. Like, how lame was this cam release? But one of the cam releases was a beer that they've already released and made before. It wasn't well, new. Not just what they've released. Okay, that's no, what I'm saying. Squiggle Me Timbers was a beer that they've released before. That was good. Doing but... cans of Ubadank mm-hmm. is like that's what they're known for. You can go to Yard House and get a pint of Ubadank, mm-hmm. which is a good beer. 100%. I'm not but hating on Ubedex. I'm staple. just saying that, like, yeah. it just kind of stayed, like, like, how hyped can the can release be when, like, your most well-known beer is in the cans? And they're they're pushing – that's the funny part is they put a lot of social media put a pressure on their Beer Week stuff. And they kind of, like, trickled this in and was, eh, if you guys want to, we can come by on this Friday and, and get a, you know, some eh, can Which, release. The, I mean – the beer week, the beer week releases look dope. You and I were talking about it earlier today. Yeah, that's the what I'm saying. Beer week releases like, look amazing. They're they're probably on the top three of my list of places to visit during beer week almost every day because they're dropping shit almost every day. Different stuff on tap, different stuff in cans. They got their stuff together. In beer week, there's three different events that Chris and I are just, I would say, like enthralled by. You know yes. what I mean? Like, which is a very extreme word for me. Like. We just like the idea of missing out on the next pastry stout with the donut pairing. Like, I'm oh, just not gonna. I'll be sad. Yeah. Six Shades of Dark. We're gonna go. We're gonna oh. like just to go have some Mala Blaster at, yes. at like, the the like like we're gonna the, like I'm gonna find out what the next Key Lime Goza flavor is. Like I'm gonna yeah. get a four pack of Key Lime Goza and Strawberry Key Lime Goza. I'm gonna you get a four pack of each. You know that Strawberry Key Lime Goza was pretty good. Yes. It was different. I was climbing in the four-pack. It was delicious. The regular key on goes, aged a little bit better, but that strawberry was a nice touch. Yes. Nice. I'm, I'm going to need a four-pack of each. And then last year I they had that barrel-aged uh, key on goes. It was pretty good. I don't think track high. seven's done as good of a job of promoting, and that might work in their favor. It might not. Yeah. You know, like, we'll see how beer week goes for them. Yeah. Uh but you better believe, you know, Beer Week starts coming up and they start dropping what they're going to be putting out there. I'm going to be going out to Track 7, too. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't I? Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, any closing thoughts on Plentiful Pastries before we turn it off? Any closing thoughts on beer? I'm not much for coffee stouts. Okay. But... If we had donuts with this plentiful pastries, even it being aged this long, I think it would have been better. It was originally supposed to be paired with donuts, right? So we're trying it okay. aged without donuts and trying to judge it, which I think it's 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 a good beer. I think if you just took it pound for pound as a beer, I would rather have Psychic Venom. But also Psychic Venom is very much newer. Which is very much newer yeah. and also substantially more expensive. But I think it incorporates the coffee flavor in a more efficient, more well-rounded way. Would you rather way. have this or Black Butte Porter Fresh? Oh. It's a little bit more of a toss-up. Just in are, you talking about, are you talking about straight in a glass or are you talking about with a meal or so ba- right now, pastries? Right now. Just straight with the glass. You know, I'd still rather have this aged, plentiful pastries. I, I Over Black Butte Porter. I might, Which, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Still with brownie, we didn't, we didn't think that. 
Yeah. I, you know, I would tend to agree, but I think you also highlighted, like, it also comes down to Brewer's intent, which I think, like, I think the, the overall aging thing really comes down to, maybe, maybe you'll agree with this, maybe you won't. Mm. Mm. 60-40, stick with Brewer's intent, 40% age it, and understand that it will be different. You know what I mean? So even with the 60-40, there's an asterisk, asterisk next to mm. that 40, which is you really got to know what you're getting into when you're aging beer. And I you, think, we've started aging beer for a full year now, and I think yeah. we've come full circle and really understood what that looks like. So I, I want to add to that that when you said you really want to understand what beer aging looks like, that's entirely subjective. And 100%. That the things that you look for in a beer are a little bit different from the things that I look for in a beer. And so me aging a beer might look a little bit different from you aging a beer based on what you're looking for the beer to do for what you personally like sure. okay. from that beer. Sure, okay, but let's beer. play this game. Would right? you age a coconut narwhal to see what it did? Yeah. Would you age a Goose Island to see what it did? Mm-hmm. Would you age a Sightail to see what it did? Yeah. Perfect. Now, what's the criteria for aging those three beers versus aging these beers? These ones, I think we unanimously agree that six months is the peak for most of these beers that we had tonight. And these are mostly pastry uh, beers. These are sweeter the, the beers. The lower, lower alcohol content, more geared towards like the brewer's intent is to have them fresh. The ones that you talked about, um, Sightail, Coconut Narwhal, and Goose Island are already beers that are brewed and then barrel-aged. So they're already aged... Um, when we buy them, which is so, within the brewer's intent, like exactly, it's all it all so, fits within the same umbrella that you're talking about. And then when you specifically when you look at Goose Island, it says on the label can age up to five years. I haven't looked at Sidetail and I haven't looked at Coconut Narwhal, but we know the brewer's intent for Goose Island is to age them or drink them fresh. You can do either one, and they even give you a recommended timeline. So I would like to see, or at least discuss with the guy from uh, uh, Great Basin, his recommended timeline for aging the side tails mm. to see what he thinks. Because Well, what's interesting, right? those side tails that we've tried that mm-hmm. I have in my closet, he also takes uh, part of those batches and ages them for an extra year. Interesting. Yeah. So it sounds like we got to go brown nose that guy. Yeah, like, so up, homie? you'll see 2017 404 side tail. Okay. But then you'll see 2018 818 side tail, yeah. which is the 2017 batch that's been aged for 818 days. That would be interesting. Yes. So it's the same beer. So it's interesting that he has found – this is a really great way to end our podcast. Good for you. I'm mm. so proud of you. Um, <laughs> it's a uh, golf clap for Chris. Um, it's really interesting that one guy <sighs> brewing beer has decided that there's a bliss point, if you will, for releasing it close to one year and yeah. then a bliss point for releasing it after two years. Yeah. It's just, it's just but you're talking barrel age versus bottle age, and that's what our discussion is. Sure, right? sure. How do you determine what the beer is going to taste like in six months to a year? And to be transparent, there's a little bit of limitation because we're not brewers, we're not home brewers. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't tried barrel aging our own beer, and I think that would change our scope on things. So there is a minor limitation in our, our scope of things. 
but we've done enough bottle aging to sort of understand what our limitations are. We've done a little bit of research on what barrel aging does, which it yeah. raises the ABV and brings out certain bit. characteristics. Yeah. Like home brewing would again change that process. I'm not going to act like we know everything because we don't. Mm-hmm. But we at least are aware of the the variables when yeah. we're talking about these kinds of things, which gives us a little bit of credibility. But um, to round it out, I think the the summary of tonight is: if you have a beer that's between 20, ten and twelve percent, aged less than six months in a fridge, right? No more than six months in a fridge. You can, yeah. but. Asterisk next to that, you can dry store it in a fridge also less than six months. Yeah. I think in a closet. You right in a fridge. Or you can dry. Sorry, you can dry store. You can dry store it. Six months. Yeah, we're we're a little plus guys. I'm sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. No, no, you're right. (laughs) You can dry store it in a closet Mm -hmm. wrapped in foil. I guess is how I did it. Label do not drink. Label do not drink. <laughs> Slash someone owes me a hand job if they do. There you go. Um, true um, story. True story. Like, true is, fucking story. Don't mess with some stuff we've invested. No. This you drink emotional. a beer that I like if I wrap it in foil and put do not drink on it uh. and you unwrap the foil and drink it, like either you or your girlfriend owes me a hand job. I don't care who. Um, there's there's emotional and time invested into that beer. Yes. And mon- I mean, we're yes. talking twenty bucks, but right, right. You know. Emotional investment, time investment, and monetary investment to where I feel like I've already paid for that hand job. You know, like that's like yeah. If you're gonna drink it, either you yep. or your girlfriend owes me a hand job. I don't care. Yep. Fuck fuck you. Just do it. Um, there's a lot of the beers like we're talking. We're never gonna see half baked again. We're never going to see this plentiful pastries again. We're n- Well, they've just released chocolate and regular flipping good, which I thought we'd never see again. You're probably never going to see the Partlow again. Cause no. Stay, you know, like, so if I was to age, because Partlow is right on that cusp where I'd probably, like, aging in six months would be dope. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I think to take it, to, to boil down this podcast into one sentence, 10 to 12% is best six months and under. Yeah. 12 to 15 is best six months to a year. Post fifteen, you should age multiples. Oh yeah, have fun with that. Age one a year, and see how it goes. If you don't, if you think that it's it's met its capacity because everyone's palate's different. Mm -hmm. Um, and drink the the second one pretty soon. Um, you know I have multiples of twenty sixteen beers still sitting in my fridge. We just or my closet. We just cracked a twenty sixteen. This twenty nineteen is two and a half years later. And it's still pretty damn yep. good. And good. Um, I, you, where I'm at in my beer journey, which is what it is, I feel like I owe it to myself to find out what it's going to taste like in 2021. Mm-hmm. I have bottles earmarked for that. Yep. So I, I mean, I think that's the most effective, like, as much as you can age anything over 10%, I think you should responsibly age. Yeah, know, know your, your limits, your zones. Know your aging zones. And the asterisk yeah. I'll put around this is everything we've aged is a pastry stout that's a little bit sweeter. Yeah. You know, we didn't age like a typical, like, we didn't age any... Stouts and porter, we, porters, We yeah. didn't age anything that was bourbon barrel aged that might change the ball game. But also those things that, like, I have a hard time thinking you'd find a stout that's over 15% that's not barrel aged anyways. Yeah. Um... 
And that's all within the realm of you guys who are listening, figuring out what you want to do with your beer. Um, yeah. Chris and I have found a lot. It's been really fun for us putting things in the closet and trying the mirror later. And I couldn't endorse anything more. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I would I would say too, another fun part that you and I haven't explored yet, which is totally an option, is especially with Sidetail, Goose Island, um... Uh, uh, the barrel-aged version of Infinite Void from New Glory, the brewers kind of know what they're trying to get to. And so if you go along with what they're trying to do, you follow their game and say, hey, bro, I tried this at this stage. This is what I tasted. Hit them up on social media. I mean, they're they're doing sure. the same thing you're doing. It's a really interesting way to get a hold of some of these brewers and some, you know, exchange ideas and to really... Uh, you and I have kind of started to do that, like where we talked about. We haven't reached sure. out to Goose Island, we but to explore that idea. Yeah, where we're like, okay, so what were you thinking, man? What 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 happened with that? But what were you trying to do? And here's what we saw. And so it, it becomes like this this next level kind of beer thing where you're not just showing up in the tap room and drinking whatever the, they put out on tap that week. But like, no, man, I've invested in you guys. I put some beer aside. I've tasted it. You've done the same because you want to make your beer better. And let's talk about it. it. It makes it a little bit more interesting. So if you're trying to get into that 100%. scene, if you're trying to get more involved, this is a really easy way to get more involved in the scene, man. Don't be shy. Don't just you know, go talk 100%. to your brewers. I would say don't be shy. Just and I would also, I mean, again, I would come back to the point that I lean sixty forty right now towards drinking the beer. Yeah. Sixty percent drinking the beer, forty percent aging it right now. Yeah, you could do like one and for one or buy a four pack and. Age one, you know, yeah, maybe age like two. Well, you get your feet wet because I can already tell you, uh, knowing what Chris and I aged uh, ten months ago as opposed to eleven months ago. Eleven months ago being this puddle for pastries. Ten ten months ago being what we aged on Tavour, which will be my oh. new shitty beer we've aged. Can we say um, that Tavour is a really amazing app? But it's very dangerous. It's very dangerous and very overpriced. <laughs> um, oh yes, they are very. They'll sell you on some beer. Yeah, and you'll spend a lot of money. Woo! But uh, I think generally, I if I had to lean in a different way, I would I would push you towards uh, drinking the beer when it's fresh. But there's also something to be learned versus aged. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that, but I think the reason I would lean towards it being drink, like drank when it was fresh, is that really like sixty percent of the beer we've had, fresh versus aged, is better fresh. But there yeah. are some better. There's some beers that are okay. Maybe better is a harsh word, but like they taste different, and there's definitely something to be learned but, from that. But that's what I was going back to is you have to understand what you're looking for from the beer. So if you taste it. And say, oh, this is too harsh and too in my face. Age it for a couple months and see how it tastes. Or if you drink it and say, this is pretty amazing, you don't have to age it. Just drink it then, right? Right. It's perspective. It's it's personal. Like, what are you looking for personally from the beer? I think you and I look for a little bit different things. But aging them about six months, you and I can kind of see the same, you know, we're on the same playing field. We're right. like, oh, this is good. Yeah. 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 But yeah. It's just it's personal. That's the other cool part. It's it's subjective. It's very personal. What what are you looking for from the beer? And you can only really understand how beer changes by aging it yourself. Sure. Right? By playing with it and kind of. I I would agree. And seeing what you like, you know, and and how things change and. Yeah. You know. 
So, I guess, guys, we'll leave you with that. I think Chris has really done a really great job of summing up this episode. Um, our next episode, we're hoping to have Miles on it. We're hoping to do an episode where we sort of talk about the epitome of styles. Ooh, we should get Logan on board for that, too. Um, Let's see if we can. We'll see if we can. Miles is definitely mm. the priority. Miles mm. is all about this podcast. I don't know if Logan is. Logan's a little shy. A little and shy. Miles has baby number two on the way, so we could be more yeah. supportive of Miles. Yeah. Um, so Miles was on the last episode. We're hoping to get Miles on the next episode. And well, I'm sure you guys enjoyed listening to Miles on the previous episode, Growly Gang Light. Uh, shenanigans were had. And just so you guys know, I had to cut out half the episode because... That's just how we are. And Miles says <laughs> some shit. Jordan says some shit. Yeah. Everyone other than Chris we, says some shit. We just all do that. That's just how we... It, this is an interesting thing that happened, um, which maybe we can cut this out of the episode. I don't know. But someone recently asked me what about Growly Gang and about drinking beer with you and how you know we've gotten to get to where we are with beer. And I said, well, beer provided a lens where you and I can sit and talk and decompress about our week. But it's also a lens that I can use to better see my friends. Mm-hmm. We can get to understand each other. And we, we can talk about some real yeah. stuff. And a lot of people don't like talking about some real life stuff until you had a beer or two. And that's that's kind of what happens at Growler Gang. Uh, you know, we're all you know musicians. We all came from a band together. We're all friends. And, and If you didn't listen to episode four, it's where I basically compare Growler Gang to book club. Yeah. Book club for beer. Mm-hmm. It's like how how is it, how's your life doing? How are you doing right now? And we we'll talk about sports. And also, and, what are your opinions on this IPA? Right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So it's it's a, it's a so decompress every other month for the dudes. Yeah, so that's um, Logan and Miles needed every other month. Chris and I needed every week. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, we're we're way too stressed out. So <laughs> we uh, we need this. Uh, you know, so that's that's part of what we talk about. You know, all the beer and stuff that we got into. That's, that's part of what got us into this podcast. Is we're meeting every Sunday night, anyways. We might as well record it because we talk about beer for hours. Right. We discuss it. We go to new places. We you know this is this is how him and I deal with stuff. So. It's that that's that lens. Alright, and so this this aging process has kept us kinda of going for for months here. Yeah. It's been very interesting to see how especially listening to our growth. Like we liked a lot of these beers when they first came out, but our, our palates have changed. Yeah. You know, and not just our palates have changed, the beers have changed. Right. Which is interesting to think about. This, the beers themselves have changed over the last year since we've we've cared about beer. Right. Right. So we encourage you guys to do the same. Experiment. Age your own beers. Experiment. Have be, some fun. You have some fun. Don't be afraid to make some mistakes because you're gonna regardless. Yeah, that's and just how it is. And be honest about the journey, mm-hmm. and that's where you'll grow and you'll learn a lot about beer. And I mean, and the cheesiest way I can say it, yourself. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and it's just a crap ton of fun. Like I don't regret aging these two beers that didn't turn out as well as I thought they would. At all. There's only one way to find out, right? There's only one way to find out. And uh, with that, we'll leave you guys. We'll sign off and have a great night, and we'll see you at the next episode. We'll see you after beer week.